This is the Northern Superior Brewing Company Upload Strike Zone Edition, hosted by Connor Henderson and David McCaig Jr. Northern Superior Brewing Company is located in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, where there are many beer options available for purchase or delivery, and where we're superior and it's a northern thing. Make sure to follow Northern Superior Brewing Company on Facebook, tagged at Northern Superior, and on Instagram, tagged at Northern Superior Co., or the website, northernsuperior.org. The Gain Sports Show and Gem are fortunate and grateful to have Northern Superior Brewing Company a part of our sponsorship family and if you haven't already started to put in your order for some delicious beer, you're certainly missing out. So get to it. Now let's chat some baseball. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show Strike Zone Edition, presented by Nolan Superior Brewing Company. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., and I am joined by my co-host, Connor Henderson. Connor, my friend, how are you? You know what, Dave? I'm doing great. I finished exams this past week. I had a beautiful weekend out at camp. The weather stayed perfect. And, uh, wow, I'm excited for the show tonight. Definitely. You know what? You and I have been uh, absent for a couple weeks. We got a lot of baseball news and updates that we're going to get into. And we're basically just going to go back and forth with sporadic topics, if you will. Before I do that, I want to remind listeners to make sure they check out Northern Superior Brewing Company on Facebook or Instagram at Northern Superior Co. And they also do free local deliveries. Like, I'm sitting here right now enjoying a nice 17 North Pale Ale. It's a premium all-natural craft beer from Northern Superior Brewing Company. And it is delicious. That's all I can say. goes down smoothly. You can have it just by itself. You can have it with food. Anything outside this beautiful weather, or even in the cold weather, who cares? It's still delicious beer by Northern Superior Brewing Company. And I'll also let listeners know that's probably brewed in the Sioux. And in terms of commercials, this will be yet another commercial-free upload, but we will have that little bit of product placement, if you will, from yours truly, making sure we give our love to our sponsors. And speaking of our sponsors, they definitely keep the lights on for the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Make sure you check out our website for our most recent uploads and for our upcoming uploads. We certainly will have a busy week upcoming with a Little Caesar special edition upload. We'll have our ESPN 1400 edition that actually will be on Wednesday this week and for the next couple Wednesdays just because of schedule adjustments as well as we plan to have a top shelf edition as well as an and one edition. So we have four shows for sure, potentially five with a hot seat podcast, Mescanaba, Michigan with EJ Russell. So there's a lot of content with the game sports show on the gamesportshow.com or on all the platforms that you can find your podcast. Now, Connor, listen, you said you just did, you had the exams, you know, you had your nice time out this weekend at camp. It was a nice weekend. You know, now we're at Sunday and in terms of baseball, there's baseball every day. Okay. Every day there's baseball going on. Obviously the blue Jays have had a pretty good schedule in terms of a day off before starting another series. So in terms of watching games for Toronto, we're going to have to wait until uh, Tuesday, of course, to watch the next game with the blue Jays as they take on the nationals as they just wrapped up their series against Tampa Bay Rays at the time of this recording. But in terms of our content, that we'd like to get into. We don't jump in and dissect games that just happened. We like to make sure that we keep the content relevant, of course. And we're just going to go with sporadic topics that Connor and I feel. So if you have any topic, topic sorry, that you want to bring up, don't hesitate to comment below. And like I said, follow Northern Superior Brewing Company. This beer is fucking delicious. There's my first swear. Three minutes in or so. Connor, you take it away first with whatever you want to talk about firstly, my friend. All right, Dave. Well, you brought up the Jays, so I think that's a great place to start, especially for all of our hungry Jays fans out there. As we've seen, and as you've mentioned, they've been fighting the injury bug, whether that's 
George Springer or Teoscar Hernandez, you know, the big money, big power guys. And uh, as of this afternoon, it looks like Hunjin Ryu is the next one to get hit by the bug. They say it's a glute strain. Let's hope that it's not too serious. He was in for about three innings of work today, pitched well. And uh, but I, I tell you, Dave, they can't they can't keep uh, going through this. You know, like the the iron is hot to strike in that division, especially with how poorly the Yankees have started. You know, if you had asked me uh, going into this season, if three or four weeks into it, the Jays would be ahead of the Yankees, I'd be saying, hey, we're looking for, uh, forward to playoff baseball, but not so much. No, you know what? The one thing that I saw that was really interesting uploaded on uh, one of our Canadian media companies is that in through 21 games, this is the lowest ERA that the Blue Jays have had for 3.04. And they've had those injuries with Ryu. They've had uh, Nate Pearson. They had uh, the injury list is long. OK, I can sit here. I don't remember all of them on top of my head, but everyone seems to have gotten hurt. And that's the bug that's going around the Jays. It's not the covid going around the Toronto Blue Jays that you got to worry about. It is that injury bug. But you know what? The performances of uh, Tim Maeza, right, and uh, Ryan Barecki and T- Tyler Chatwood, who went in today, like having the depth that the Blue Jays did. And if you recall in the offseason, all they did was make these kind of depth signings a lot. Of course, they signed George Springer, uh, Marcus Semien. You brought in guys, of course. But with kind of those under the microscope signings or under the radar, sorry, if you will, you had some of those signs like Chatwood, uh, Castro from the Tigers, guys who have been able to fit into the rotation and jump in when these injuries have occurred. And it also has given some room for some of the young guys to have a little bit of exposure, right? You had Anthony Kay, of course, a lot of expectations with Pearson this year. You know, we haven't seen George Springer in action yet, which is really unfortunate. We figured maybe we would have saw him in this past series with the Tampa Bay Rays. But, you know, at the end of the day, for a team that is very deep, in terms of the batting order, right? Like I would say they're young, but they have a lot of options. And I think someone like Joe Panic, who can rotate in. There's been a little bit of a negative spot, though, Connor, with this Toronto team. And it's been the defensive side of the baseball, and it's their errors. They have the most errors committed in the MLB to this point of recording. You know, and that can change the matter of a day or two. So, But what can the Blue Jays do from your end do you think to help change these errors, does, does, does Bo Bichette have to move to to maybe a second base? You know, keeping Vlad at first base, I think, just makes complete sense. Or putting him DH, rotating that in with Rowdy Tales. Uh, or do you and do you move uh, Biggio to keep him in field or keep rotating him in and out of the field? What can the Blue Jays do to help really kind of deter their numbers on the errors uh, side of the baseball? Well, see, this is the scary thing, right? Because we're dealing with a situation where these are our young guys, and usually the young guys translate to the majors better on the defensive side of the ball than they do with the bats. Uh, you know, we can expect that, okay, Vladdy wasn't going to be a lifelong third baseman. But when we start seeing this from the likes of Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, it's like, oh, man, like I'm sweating if I'm a Jays fan. Uh, you know, they've tried experimenting. As you mentioned, you put Kevin in right field. Uh, maybe shift Bo to the DH spot for a game or two, but that's not a long-term solution. But I think the long-term solution is presented right in right in front of the the Jays fans uh, in Marcus Semien. For those of you looking back, maybe four or five seasons, Marcus Semien was the worst shortstop in the American League. That guy was putting out 30, 40 errors a season, 
Uh, and he was surviving because he could mash the baseball. Now, we know Bichette can. We know Biggio's got it, too. Um, the model Marcus Semien did was, you know, it's, it's as simple as this. He got to work with the Oakland A's and uh, Ron Washington, his infield coach, and they just pounded it with, with infielder work, footwork, lateral quickness, um, and soft hands. And, yeah, Marcus Semien's never going to be a gold glove you know, long-term season after season. But um, if you can just be competent at, at your position, and uh, I mean, that's the model to follow. If I'm, if I'm Kevin, if I'm Bo, look over at Marcus Semien, see how he turned around his, his career in the infield. And I think the answer lies somewhere with that. Definitely. You know what? I think honestly, looking at this, Wyatt has definitely got to be a first baseman. Honestly, I think, even though despite, losing weight and getting shape this off season. And even with Rowdy, I think him and Rowdy, if they can rotate in that DH position, I really feel like that would be really a benefit. And once you have, I think Biggio, it's like too bad. He can't find that concrete home at two, but of course with uh, Marcus Semi in there, like it kind of seems like that would be more comfortable, but I really have thought maybe you keep Biggio at two and you keep Bichette at short, keep that experiment going, because I think eventually he'll get comfortable if you can keep working and put Marcus over at third. You know, I think that might be an ideal. San Diego uh, uh, Spaniel has done pretty good himself. Joe Panics there. But those are guys that you put in off the bench, right? Like if you're giving someone an off day, like you don't really see those as everyday guys. So I would like to see that or even maybe consider putting Bo at third. Bo's got a wicked arm. It, a lot of the hot shot balls go to third. Okay, but at shortstop, you're quarterbacking a lot in the infield, as much as you know, Connor. When we play men's league baseball, I know where we put yourself or another player on our team is right on shortstop because you guys have that ability to really be strong on the infield. Yes, that's men's league baseball. I'm not comparing it, but I'm saying shortstop is such a prominent position in the infield. I really feel like, you know, Semyon is going to be comfortable there, then great. And that should be Bo's home, but maybe putting Bichette in DH a couple games, great. But I think trying him over at third would be a great project or to stick it out. Keep putting him at short, let him build that confidence and put Marcus over at three. I really, really, really would love Biggio to stay at second base. That's the position I believe that's where they want him to be. And then, of course, when Springer comes back, you got him in center. Then you got Gritchett and T. Oscar on the outfield. And you got Guriel, who is also a potential on the outfield. And so the Blue Jays got a lot of, you know, room for players to rotate around and get a lot of opportunity. But you know, I really feel like Bichette, Connor, I'm a strong believer is, yes, give him that breather that he needs. Let him collect himself. But at the end of the day, why not just keep going with him? Give him get, let him build that confidence. Let him get and battle through it. Because I think that's one thing, yes, with the work with Washington and uh, that Semyon did with the inside Oakland Athletics organization is that they kept giving him the opportunity to get better and kept building on the mistakes. And I think that's one thing Bo could benefit from. Yeah, if you want to give a player confidence, the last thing you want to do is be shuffling the deck every single game, right? They don't know what to expect. Am I at DH? Am I at short? Am I at third? Now, you bring up an interesting, a really interesting idea, uh, putting him at third base. And I think we can, uh, honestly, look to, you know, uh, more homegrown principles when it comes to making these sorts of decisions. And honestly, I don't I don't think it's a bad idea to look at, at men's league baseball at all. Dave, I remember when we started out, uh, you were a second baseman. It made sense. Quickness, cover a lot of ground. But recently, I remember we've shifted you over to third. And 
you know, you just let the instincts take over, right? It's a reactionary position. You stick an athletic guy at third base. The hot shot comes in. They don't have to think. They just stab the ball, throw it across the diamond, and, and you let that athleticism take over. And it it worked great for you. It, you know, I think it works great uh, for people in the MLB. We've seen Manny Machado shift from short to third. And the same could be said for for uh, uh, Bo Bichette. You know, I, I really like that idea. Yeah, and then A-Rod, I believe, did it too when he was with Texas. And then when he went over to the Yankees, he shifted over. And it seemed like... Like the big thing is at third base, you brought up great points there, and I'm glad you brought up the point with me. I didn't want to do that, so that's I appreciate. <laughs> but but certainly I I with myself, you don't think or you, you don't. It's all reactionary. Then the one thing myself that I knew I had to work on was my arm strength working at that. I think over time it got better, and that's how I even got became a better pitcher is because I had to aim my throws more across the diamond. And I think that's actually from third to first. And that's, I think, what made me a better pitcher is because it made me aim my throws a lot more and develop. And that's where Bo's not going to become a pitcher. So you erase that whole thought from the mind. But to get that ball thrown to third and you have to react quick, which Bo can do very well, in my opinion, he has a rocket as an arm already. And that's where... Like, I feel like if he got that at three, he can wire it across the diamond to, to Vlad or to Rowdy and it'll let him build that confidence. And then, you know, if Semyon needs a day off, you know, then maybe you could put Bull there for a game and you put Santiago there at third or you put Panic at third there or something like that in the odd game. Even Gurriel can play third, but I know he has a, that throwing issue, so the outfield's a little bit better for him. But I bring up a very good point. I appreciate that. I, I do believe I do as well with him trying him a third. I think that'd be a great little project uh, to just to try out. It doesn't hurt to give it a shot. Marcus seemed pretty comfortable today at short. You know, he made a lot of errors. And what I mean by today, of course, the time this recording being April the 25th and when they played the Rays. So you may be listening to this a day or two after. But as he seemed comfortable inside the inside the diamond at short today may as well let them say there they want uh against the rays on sunday slash today so why not put bow over a three give it a shot it doesn't hurt to try out and see they put vlad from three to one and everyone's been saying since day one connor put vlad over at one from three everyone's been saying i even was saying it. the guy was a heavy set dude all right when he was last year, he, he lost 40 pounds going into this year. Uh, he could probably play three pretty competitively more so than last year, but he's built like a first baseman. All right. He's got to play first, just like Rowdy Talez. You're not going to put Rowdy Talez at third base. Okay. You're not putting that guy over there. So I really feel like you can put Bo at three, you can put Marcus at three, and Biggio at three, and you can kind of rotate everybody in there. Maybe give them a change of scenery if you can't put, just put Bo at three. Let people rotate around, let people build confidence in each, in each position, and then gain that confidence overall so if you know someone gets hurt somebody can go in there quite easily and of course like you said connor when for myself i i, f- I feel like it really made me more confident as a ball player myself just by being able to be successful in that position because now i think if i did try shorter second again i'd be that much more confident in myself which maybe Bo bichette can do if he gets that confidence on defense and third then he can be utilized around the diamond but someone like yourself connor you don't need confidence you're you're wicked all over the diamond on the elf <laughs> You can, you can be in the clubhouse and there'd be a pop fly. Okay. And if there's somebody in the outfield that we know can't catch the ball, you can run from the clubhouse, get to the outfield before the ball lands, run back to the dugout, get your batting gloves on, hit a dinger. Okay. And then you can put your pitching glove on or never. I don't think you have different gloves for each, but we'll just say that you do for fun's sake. You're going to grab your pitching glove. And then you're going to go strike out the side to close the game. That's the way you are. And I want listeners to know how you are at baseball. <laughs> you're, you're far too kind to me, Dave. You know, I, 
I feel blessed. I, I was an infielder growing up, and when I ended up playing competitive ball, they flexed me out to center field. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, just getting that blend of getting to to kind of jump all around depending on who's hurt, uh, who needs a day off. For me, I, I love that. Um, and for the guys on the Jays, especially somebody like Bo, you know, your instinct is that you want to see Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio up the middle for 10 or 15 years and just ride it out. Um, but at third base, it, it kind of leaves that shortstop position open for perhaps a more athletic upcoming player in Jay's first round pick, Austin Martin, who um, also has the ability to play center field, shortstop, second, those athletic up the middle positions. Maybe if you move Bo to third, then you leave a room open for Austin Martin to take that shortstop position. Yeah, but Austin Martin is went down in the draft to the Jays, and the Jays were happy about that, as were Jays fans. What a great pick. And I know what they – I heard something interesting today, kind of transitioning. Uh, with the Rays, they have a fantastic prospect system. Okay, they, they got, I believe, I think it's seven in the top 50. Or no, I think that's too much. Seven in the top 100. I, I, I can't remember the top of my head. I don't have the exact statistics in front of me right now. But I just thought of that because the Tampa Bay Rays, everyone had, when Snell got dealt, what are they doing? But they we, the, the Rays are actually known for developing prospects and especially with pitching, but it's, they could just never keep them. Okay. They always move on despite who it is. If it's Chris Archer, if it's David price, if it's, uh, you know, maybe somebody comes back of course, but I just ultimately move Snell and price are the ultimate two that really stick out. And, you know, you have the, the Tampa Bay rays that this division is going to be right down. The rays are, are, are a very good ball team. Like depth, like depth, depth wise, the Red Sox have actually done better than most have expected. And to say that the Orioles and Yankees would be tied right now, I believe everybody uh, would say that you're absolutely crazy. If you said at this point, cause the Orioles, you know, are struggling at home, but they're better on the road, you know, and that, and that's very interesting. And the blue Jays this year, they're not home all season. I don't care what anybody says they're not eating they're, That's not the same as being at the Rogers center in Toronto in front of that electrifying crowd sound like the rock and wrestling right now, but for that electrifying crowd at the Rogers center uh, that we certainly miss not having the blue Jays uh, there. And hopefully one day soon that that gets resolved. But now Connor kind of changing gears a little bit, the tigers as expected. I know right now, currently this time of recording, they're at the bottom of the central right now. They're rebuilding as everyone said that they would be doing. It's going to be a little bit of a turnaround, but we do have a good deal of Detroit listeners, uh, upper Michigan and full out Michigan listeners. And even a lot of people in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada and, uh, and Northern Ontario, there's a lot of tigers fans as well, of course, right? Because of how close we are. So I want you to give a little bit of intake on the Detroit tigers, uh, just to give a little bit of love to our listeners in Detroit. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, I don't think the Detroit Tigers are anywhere uh, other than where we'd expect them to be. And that's, you know, struggling at the bottom of the division. But there has been some some very funny, uh, very upbeat light spots in the lineup. Please ignore the fact that they have eight out of their 12 regular position players batting under 225. Oh, my God. We have Rule 5 draft pick Akil Badu, who's just been killing it in, in the outfield for, for the Tigers. He's batting 260. He has 10 extra base hits so far this season and already has four home runs. For a guy who batted like 215 in double A last se- or two seasons ago, 
whichever scout was in the meeting room banging the table saying, we we need this rule five pick a kill Badu. Please bring him in here. That guy deserves a promotion or a raise because oh my god, Dave, like who is this guy? And and uh he's been doing incredible for the Tigers to start off the season. What a name too. Okay, you could tell by that guy's name that he's a stud. Okay, like uh, Badu. Right, like like it's you know, it's it's almost like you'd hear that name on Kung Fu Panda or something like that. Like, it makes me feel like when, you know, you get that opportunity, sometimes you find the right fit and, you know, that that's where it really works out. And I think being on the Tigers is a great, great spot for a lot of those young batters right now that are those real five picks. Maybe didn't do so great in other organizations in their farm system. Can maybe get a shot at the Tigers, not because they're just a lonely system, but, you know, they can have a chance to play. And, uh, and Akil Badu comes from the Minnesota Twins organizations, if I remember correctly. And, you know, it's, it's I know from Scott Nason and Butch Davis, of course, uh, on the USA side of the game sports show, give a lot of credit to Akil Badu. And I know Scott Nason is a lot of fun seeing Akil Badu as well. And I'm, I've already said it six times. So I think everyone knows that I do as well. And just being overall with the Tigers, there's um when I when I see a team that is like the Tigers, of course, they have you know they they have the ability to to take their time in terms with this rebuild. And what I mean by that is, if you look at their division, okay, the Royals, the White Sox. I feel like the White Sox should be doing better than what they are, and I also believe the Twins should be doing better than what they are as well. But I think this is the right time. For the Tigers, but hopefully they can start making steps going into next season because I feel like they can get a head start and start really taking this division because I think all the other teams are going to start slowing down, if you will. And I will say flat out, I do think the AL Central is the weaker division in the AL. I don't know if you agree, Connor, but if I'm looking at all the divisions, I would say that's the more weaker division. So I think this is the right time for Tigers because I think they're a little bit ahead. They have some players that are coming up from the Rule 5 draft, from the draft picks overall that they can have a real good team put together within the next couple of years and maybe follow a model like the Blue Jays have done. You know, the Blue Jays are flirting with 500 baseball. They're in, I think, one of the toughest divisions in baseball as of now. The Sox, the Rays, the Yanks, and somehow the Orioles are really battling out. But they're not the most the toughest, not the absolute toughest division in baseball. I think the NL East would have that title for the for the most uh, competitive division, which I'm sure we'll get to in a few seconds. But overall, the AL could be wide open this year. All the teams that are 500, it's going to be exciting right down to the end. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. The AL Central is notoriously the weakest American League division year in and year out, which stings even worse if you're a Tigers fan because Man, you know, if you put in a competent roster, you have a chance to make the playoffs every single season. And they just haven't been able to uh, to do it. But that's part of the process, right? The growing pains of a rebuild. And, you know, I'm a Leafs fan. I know I know what be, rebuilding is all about. We've been rebuilding my entire life. So yeah. if yeah. I, I, was, uh, I was spoiled with the 2010 uh, through 2014 Tigers and... You know, this is this is the song and dance I'm very familiar with, and I'm looking forward to seeing where some of those young gun players, i.e., Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, and yeah, Big Bad Badu, I guess, has joined that that conversation as well. Uh, I'm really excited to see where where they're headed. 
You know what? I was. Everyone should know that I downloaded MLB 21, the show. I don't know if you have, Connor. I'm one that plays uh, video games. I was saying that the, one of the best rosters in that game is obviously you got the Dodgers, you got the Yankees that are up there. But San Diego Padres have a wicked overall rating. And I know this because, number one, the studio is from San Diego, if I remember correctly, uh, for MLB, the show. But nonetheless, they're flirting with 500 baseball at this current point, and that's a very tough division over there in the NL West. But the Padres, there was an interesting topic that got brought up, and I wanted to jump into this. Trevor Bauer of the Los Angeles Dodgers brought up a point saying that he loves when people celebrate when they hit a home run. And in the game of baseball, and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I never had the opportunity to play a lot as a kid as my nose was right to the grindstone of hockey, but being a passionate baseball follower, you know, when it comes to baseball, it's not like golf etiquette, you know, or even curling. Of course, Brad Jacobs, friend of the show and uh, gold medalist shown that, you know, celebrating after you're hitting a rock and a big hit, you changed the whole etiquette in that sport, I, I would say. Uh, but in baseball, when you have those home runs, there's been celebrations, right? There's been Sammy Sosa doing his skip, Barry Bonds when he passed Hank Aaron, which obviously doesn't really count, I guess, but dropping his bat, putting his hands up, Bautista flipping the bat, right? The bat flip is the most iconic celebration. Or the bat drop, Edwin Encarnacion. People don't know that term. That's when he played the Orioles uh, with the bottle of Jimenez when he hit the ball in the extra innings there, of course, to advance the Blue Jays of the wild card game. He put his arms up and let the bat drop. So I call that the bat drop a year after the bat flip. Uh, so you have kind of celebrations after baseball uh, in terms of being up to bat have occurred. But Trevor Bauer supports it. There's pitchers that don't like it. Like that's rewind back to that bat flip when Bautista hit that ball, did the flip and the stare down. Okay. He is actually known for doing those stare downs. If you even want to rewind even back sooner or earlier in the early, in the late thousands, when the blue Jays had the black jerseys with the Navy blue Jays, if you remember on the front of those jerseys, those jerseys are pretty sick, but Bautista was almost getting hit by a pitch after a couple times after getting hit. And I can't recall who the pitcher was, top of my head here again, not pulling up the stats. But after hitting that home run, he stared at the pitcher as soon as he hit it. He didn't even look at the ball. He stared at the pitcher. So I'm going to go on this side of things, Connor, where if someone stares down a pitcher and stares at him, that's a lot different than celebrating, in my opinion. So right now, Trevor Bauer had the comment saying that he encourages the celebrations in baseball for batters. How about you, Connery? What's your take, and what do you think is the best way for a batter? Do you like when people say, yes, I want to see the guys like Fernando Tatis do the bat flow, uh, throw and get excited, get passionate about it, or do you want them just to hit the ball and walk around the bases? Well, I'll tell you what, Dave. If Jose Bautista hit that home run against the Texas Rangers and put his bat down and walked around the bases, we wouldn't be talking about that home run you know, six, seven years later, it's the flip, it's the passion, it's that sort of thing that, you know, baseball desperately needs, man. And I think that baseball finds itself in a weird halfway home between uh, the etiquette of uh, basketball and the etiquette of hockey, where it's not as boring as, as hockey wants to be, and it's not as exciting as basketball is. Baseball finds itself somewhere in the middle and for me, speaking as a pitcher who's given up a bomb or two in his day, uh, I, I mean, I enjoy it. it. It's it gets me going. And if you're a competitor, I think that that's what you know gets that adrenaline, that flood, that fl you know, blood flowing through your veins. Um, 
Now, you brought up a very, very interesting distinction between celebrating and staring down a pitcher. Now, uh, moving sports over to, to hockey for a moment, I remember as a kid seeing Alexander Ovechkin pull the hot stick move where he, he laid his stick down on his 50th goal and he pretended that it was on fire. And, and I thought it was hilarious, you know, and, and I pulled it off in a game once um, when I scored my, my 40th. But, I, you know, I was playing house league. I was never I was never a competitive player like like Dave McKegg Jr. over here. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I love that sort of thing. But when you see guys score goals or, or you know, they, are they staring the goalie in the face after they make this, the, the goal? Do they just skate into the, the hash marks and just stare down the goalie? No, that's that's weird. It's very, you know, intimidating. And and, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of that. Um, go celebrate with your friends, with your teammates all you want. Sure. But the moment you start like like just staring down some some pitch, you know what I mean? I, I think there is. There's probably limits to what what I think is is, uh, <laughs> you know, not a faux pas. What is a faux pas? And uh, in that case, yeah, throw the bat, sure. But man, <laughs> staring down pitchers is a little edgy for me. I don't know. Oh, it's like I can see it. Like I know Darren O'Day and Jose Bautista had a had a lot of I want to say it a lot of the show, but they had hatred towards each other. It was competitive. They didn't like playing against each other. It wasn't as bad as Ragnar Odor and Jose Bautista, who, who got punched in the face a year afterwards, of course, which we don't see in baseball ever. But again, we're still talking about it to this day, and we still will when we're old and gray. Uh, but you have that competitiveness, and I want to say that that's who it was that threw the pitch, but I, I can't recall who it was. But he, when you have that competitive, I can see why Bautista did that. If I almost got hit, two or three times in consecutive innings or whatever, after a couple innings by the same pitcher, I, I actually, I think it was consecutive, uh, consecutive innings because the Blue Jays had a little bit of uh, like a little bit of a route going on, but I believe it was the same at bat where he almost got hit two or three times. And when he got that fourth swing, I can see why Bautista would have stared at him because you're so pissed off, right? You're like, Okay, you get hit, you almost get hit the first time. Say, okay, it's an accident, right? The second time, it's like, okay, what's going on? Three times, and you finally get a warning from the ump. You're like, okay, now you're when you're in the majors, you're not kidding. There's something you don't like me. Something my mustache or my scent, my number, my name, whatever the heck it is, you don't like who I am. Okay, now I'm pissed. I want to hit this bomb off you, and you're pissed now. So Bautista had that competitive edge where when you swing the bat and he got it, that was pure competitiveness and being pissed off. I can see why he would feel that way, but at the same time, there's just nothing better than hearing the crack of the bat, celebrating, look at your dugout, giving them the fist pump, saying, let's go, boys, or fuck yeah, or woo, whatever you want to say, but it was still something that I can see why Bautista did that and why some athletes do athletes react differently in each sport, especially with baseball. And Sammy Sosa was big for that. Um, for pitching, of course you have Trevor Bauer who threw a ball from his mound, I think into the outfield, which I think was last year or the year prior, you know, you, you have people react in different situations when they're upset. And that's how Bautista was. And, I'll tell you right now, Connor, and speaking back to men's league, if I hit a dinger, I'm going to fucking sell you like you haven't seen before, okay? I haven't hit a dinger in my career, in my life, 
Okay, if I hit one, I'm going to look at you and run to you and probably give you a big old kiss on the cheek. But on the way to give you that kiss on the cheek, I'm going to be yelling, fuck yeah, around the bases, even if we're down by 20 runs. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You have to. You have to. And that's the big thing in baseball is it was an interesting topic today that I want to bring up. And I really feel that if you're going to hit that homer, do it with excitement, get the crowd going. But don't do it all the time over the top. Have that couple times where it's a big home run. Give you guys the lead that you're very passionate about it overall. And you know what? Baseball is very fun. It's it's fun to see because it adds that extra excitement to the game, right? Speaking of extra excitement, Dave, did you mention or did you manage to uh, run across the beef on Twitter between Trevor Bauer and Tatis Jr. over that bat flip home run? Oh, I actually have just got the whole gist of it actually prior to us recording, but I would love for you to dive into it a bit more. Yeah, I guess before before we conclude, you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about this. Um, there was video footage uh, that surfaced, uh, like a small clip of the at-bat where it appears Fernando Tatis uh, was looking down, taking a little peek at the catcher's signs. Now, we've talked about sign stealing on the strike zone before, and you know, there's there's pros and cons. Um, usually the sign stealing comes from second base. But for some reason, there's a distinction in baseball where you're allowed to steal the signs if you're standing on second. But if you're up at bat, you're not supposed to look at the catcher's, you know, between the catcher's thighs for, for the signal. OK, sure. Um, but Bauer takes to Twitter after uh, talking about how much he loves when batters celebrate. And he tweeted at Tatis. Quote, if you want, if you need to know what pitch is coming that badly, just ask daddy nicely next time. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Ask daddy nicely. That sounds like Trevor Bauer to a T. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And uh, of course, you know, Tatis responds in a language, you know, I, I don't I'm not. I'm not a foreign language speaker here, but he says, Tranquilo Ijo, which means calm down, son, with a photograph of Bauer photoshopped as what appears to be a, a crying baby in the arms of Tatis Jr. My God. Uh, see what I'm saying? I love that. And to see him now pop it up, for him to look, that definitely looks like he was lucky. Okay, I, you know what? I'm going to flat out say right now, I am not fully against somebody looking. Honestly, you know how hard that is? Uh, like, if you think about it, if you're looking down and you have someone picking, you know the numbers and the signs, kudos to you. If you're able to guess the pitch and know the pitch and have all that knowledge and you're able to guess it and swing it and at the same time look down, look back up to the pitcher and get set for a pitch, that's hard to do, Connor. You know it is. That that you when you're at bat, it is a lot of mental going on, especially in a fast pitch. It's different than slow pitch. You're sitting on the mound, someone or sorry, in the batter's box, and you're looking down at a pitch that you think is going to be what you think it's going to be, and you look back up, and maybe a second after you're looking at that pitch, you're throwing the pitch, and your mind has to get back, and your your mind's telling your other side of your mind that it's a slider, it's a curve, it's a slow, it's a fastball. It's so while that's happening, you're thinking that while the pitch is coming, and all that's happening in less than two seconds. That is hard to do. 
If someone wants to look down and see a sign and can hit a dinger off it, I'm sorry. I'm not against it. I'm more against if they're stealing signs from the outfield and fans are getting involved by smashing the cans or whatever the heck, all that nonsense going on. But if you're actually looking down and figuring something out, I, I may get a lot of shit for this, but I'm not really against it. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things as a hitter, and we teach this to, to players uh, when the, when they're learning how to how to hit at the next level, is um, you want to clear your head. You want to sit on the fastball somewhere juicy, somewhere you want to hit it. Um, and if the pitcher throws it there on the first pitch, then then, then attack it. You know, uh, anything other than than your pitch, your fastball. Uh, if it's a breaking ball, sure, you got to adjust. But um, you know, I, I don't know how much utility there really is as a batter staring into the uh, the catcher's legs, because because most times you just want to go up to bat. You want to have a clear, confident headspace and uh, just do your thing. You don't want to overthink it. Overthinking is easily the, the kryptonite uh, of, a, of a baseball hitter. And in my mind, it, you know, if you're really that frustrated as a catcher, then do the fake signs that you do when there's a batter or when there's a runner on base on second base. It's not that hard. Don't be lazy. If you're worried that they're going to take a peek, then use your fake signals. It takes an extra half a second. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell my pitch or my batters to ever look between the legs. You know, you're, you're just asking to to fire up the other team. Um, but if you're a back catcher and you're really that frustrated about it, you know, don't be lazy uh, and use your fake signs. This is not the first time Tatis and Bauer have had some Twitter interaction either. So August 18th, 2020. He said, hey, Tatis Jr., listen up. Number one, keep swinging 3-0 if you want to, no matter what the game situation is. Two, keep hitting homers, no matter what the situation is. Three, keep bringing energy and flash to baseball and making it fun. Four, the only thing you did wrong was apologize. Stop that. That was towards a tweet when Tatis hit a homer on a 3-0 count in a specific game and got said sorry about when he hit. The home run, there's a lot more to that in terms of the game. My whole point is not diving uh, you know, diving into that. It's just a matter of okay, uh, saying that this is not the first time that they've had it. And if you look deep down into that tweet a little bit more, and this is from a, a, pr- a previous fan-sided article on September 15th when Bauer was with the Reds. And this tweet came from a, a guy named Len at Nella Stoll. Uh, at Nella Soul is what his, his Twitter handle is. He says, Red starter Trevor Bauer would like to play for the Dodgers one day. And that's when he was with the Reds. And in that same line of tweets, people are saying, please don't go to the Dodgers. Maybe consider signing with either the Blue Jays or the Padres, where there's a lot of signings going down. However, he ended up signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, of course. And now, of course, they're getting back to doing more tweets against each other, more so this way in the chirp way fashion where Trevor Power was giving more encouragement on his previous tweet, which again was on August 18, 2020. So a little fun fact in the background of Twitter and, of course, Twitter getting some free plugs, if you will. Another fun plug I want to give, Connor, do you know who Trevor Bauer's agent is? Tough question. Is he a Scott Boris client or no? He is actually not. He's his heir, his client or his agent is Rachel Luba as an American sports agent. She is the founder and owner of Luba Sports, a sports agency based in Maple Valley, Washington. Fun fact, she is also the youngest certified female agent 
in baseball. Wow, that's that's really cool. That is good news. That is certainly fantastic stuff. And, you know, certainly good little fun facts. Give her a check out, if you will. And, you know, obviously with having, um, you know, there, I think there's more uh, to the story with Trevor Bauer and his social media. But he's, let's just say that he is certainly comfortable uh, with being inside the activeness of social media. And that becomes with him being a 1991 birthday. Let me tell you, we like to chirp and have a little bit of a fun on social media. Connor, I want to give you the floor for a couple minutes if you would like. Is there any other topics that get into? I know we planned a half hour here. We went a little bit longer as expected, but we had the time and we obviously made some great content for listeners. And before I give you that time, I want to do a quick product placement to make sure listeners Check out Sports Center Bar and Grill, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario's best sports bar. Five years in a row, best wings two years in a row. You can order online. Make sure you support local, especially during these hard times in COVID. Northern Superior Brewing Company, again, proudly brewed in the Sioux. This is Strike Zone presented by Northern Superior Brewing Company, so you've heard it already. I'm enjoying one. You should be as well. And don't hesitate as well to check out Little Caesars Pizza. It's a little bit of kind of cross-promotion there where you have Sports Center on one side, Little Caesars on the other side, but guess what? It's a freedom here on the game entertainment and media. There is no favorites. We have fun with all the sponsors that we have included. It is owned by a local business owner, Mike Lamia. Of course, Little Caesars is a franchise, but still locally owned and operated by someone who was from Sault Ste. Marie. So definitely check out Little Caesars if you want something quick and easy, especially in terms of pizza. Check out the Game Sports Show for a full list of sponsors and our updated website page, courtesy of Aaron Robinson at Thrush Creative Co. God, that guy's fantastic. He has done me a load of favors. If you want a website done, logo done, anything in terms of strategic marketing and business, anything of such, reach out to the one and only Aaron Robinson. I've known him since I was a wee lad through our times in elementary school and playing hockey together and growing up. And and let's just say he has grown up to be a fine adult. I believe I have as well to an extent. And I'm here joined with a great guy himself and Connor Henderson. And I'm going to give you the floor now, my friend, for more topics you'd like to educate listeners about before we wrap up the show. All right, we'll do some quick hits before we go. Dave, I just have to say, I can't get through an episode of the Strike Zone without getting hungry for some pizza, you know, <laughs> thirsty for a little bit of Northern Superior Brewing Company beer, and the website itself is looking fantastic. So before we conclude, I think we should just point out uh, to all of our A's fans in the audience, um, they've got a little cult following in the Sioux, that's for sure. Their 13 wins game win streak comes to an end today. Sadly, um, they almost got to 20. They're going to 20, Dave. Not this time. Um, Great movie. Great <laughs> Um, absolutely. And Matt Olson is having a huge bounce back season for them. He struggled last year a bit, batted only 195 in the shortened season. Right now he's at 340 with six homers, looking great for the A's. And then flipping over to the Angels, Shohei Itani. Can he stay healthy this year? I hope so, because Dave, I put a full dollar, yes, a loony, on him winning MVP this year as a DH pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. And if I win, I get tenfold. I get ten whole dollars. So I don't want to encourage anybody to gamble, but do it responsibly. Shohei Itani, 290 batting average, six home runs, and a one ERA through eight innings of pitching. That's I, the quick hits for I, the day. 
Shohei Otani. I think that guy's fantastic. I wish he was a Blue Jay. I really, I'm a big fan. The guy's got mad pop in his bat. The guy's literally an absolute stud. Pitches, he hits. Oh, fantastic. The Blue, the Angels already have enough in a stud in Mike Trout. I don't think they can, they should be able to handle anymore because he's literally the best baseball player all around of all time. I'm sorry. Is that too soon? Might be too soon to say that about Mike Trout. I just think there's no one ever built like him. And I think we've already talked about that on Strike Zone with Mike Trout. And that was quick hits by Connor. That was the cycle, baby. That was a single, double, triple, and the homer all in one. And that's impossible. You just hit the cycle and one at bat. Getting up multiple points there. And love to our sponsor. Love the additional plug. It looks like you're going to have to order a pizza and get some beer from North Spirit Brewing Company, my friend. And if you were inside the studios, which I blew it, I didn't mention off the top. I, have, I am, of course, inside the Game Entertainment and Media Studios. Connor is joining me via Skype as as a business, despite people may think that we're, uh, you know, that we may not be following COVID lockdown rules and we have people in here with masks. No, I've told everyone that, that of course, I'm not only just friends with, but are that volunteer their time with me on the game sports show and take the time uh, that we will not be recording with them inside studios. It is just yours truly all alone. But at the end of the day, we are still together talking sports through lovely platforms that technology gets us to provide and for you listeners to enjoy. And Connor, my friend, this has been Strike Zone. We have fun with this. Our schedule is so sporadic. And you know what? I love that. I just like we have the best thing about podcasting is that you upload content based on both convenience of schedules. And with the game sports show, we talk every sport, every sport. Even down to cricket, we talk about. We've had cricket segments on the show before, believe it or not. I can't remember which one, so don't quote me on that, which one it was. But at the end of the day, we talk everything, and we have multiple uploads a week. We're going to be transitioning to video very, very soon. If COVID wasn't, uh, let's say, uh, inside lockdown 7,000.0 that we are in right now, we would already be doing it. But yours truly wants to ensure the quality before releasing it. So as the show, we've got lots of content that we always plug out. And I always appreciate the time that you take and, of course, everybody takes to listen to us and join us here. So I wish you were here, my friend, to give you a cheers, to enjoy North Superior Brewing Company, Pale Ale, 17 North, Red Maple, whatever I have. But that will be soon enough, my friend. Absolutely, Dave. I'm looking forward to it. Stay safe. You too. And that's Connor Henderson. And this has been Strike Zone, presented by North Superior Brewing Company. And I say again, follow them on social media. Check them out their website, northsuperior.org. Free local deliveries support local please like i gotta say that couldn't say that enough I, I was actually on facebook before going into this upload and there is a facebook page called support local sault st marie and i'm not talking bad about any of the franchises that have the success but you know what it's imperative that we have local businesses succeed as well inside our community because it helps our economy it helps i'm not going to get into that that's more connor's area that could be more more expert about but at the end of the day we have to support the local businesses because when you need a donation when you need a sponsor when you need something who do you go to those local businesses who's always there for you those local businesses so get on support north spirit brewing company sports center bar and grill compass imaging group and demanski office interiors all the groups that are part of the game sports show heck go even support little caesars and sue st marie i must say because that is a local business owner running that business it's not just a connected through franchise it is owned locally owned and operated so the local businesses make sure you support local use the hashtag support local and upload your supporting local through these hard times with covid 
19. And my last special shout out that I wanted to give, I shared a post on Facebook yesterday and it was about uh, my sister's father-in-law, uh, Chris Terrio. He mentioned uh, that he had to get surgery and there was a GoFundMe page for for Chris and it was put up uh, by Carol Maniaco. And the goal for the page was originally $10,000. Everyone knows uh, Chris Terrio. He is a uh, he is a local business owner for Duke of Windsor. And he had a lot of medical issues in the past nine months. He was recently flown to London University Hospital where he had to go under uh, for a liver transplant. Uh, and, of course, there was a fundraiser for a GoFundMe page to try and support the family in times of cost tra- traveling back and forth. Uh, for the family food, accommodation costs, everything of such was raised. They actually ended up raising $22,915, which is fantastic. Again, Sault Ste. Marie community coming together as one. And that is, uh, of course, my my niece's papa. And it's very good to see that this was raised. And I appreciate all the donations and the shares that occurred on Facebook. That's outside of Strike Zone. In terms of content with Strike Zone, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Comment below. Hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the game. And Connor, again, thank you to you. Again, thank you to the listeners. And getting to our conclusion here, I remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, join your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.